This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Age of Radio. Hello there, folks, and thank you for listening to the show. I'm Joanna. I'm Nate, and this is Stranger Than. We have many strange, strange things to tell you about today. Um, variety of news stories and uh, whatnot. So uh, why don't you take it away, Joanna? All right, well, I'm going to talk about um, more places that bleed. More places that bleed. I'll be damned. Because we went over some blood houses in our last episode, and wouldn't you believe it? There are a few more. Wow. I thought yeah. three was enough. <laughs> I know, right? Apparently not. Apparently not. So this first story is out of Cleveland, Tennessee. I did not realize there was a Cleveland, Tennessee. I had no idea there was a Cleveland, Tennessee until I started, uh, you know, doing this research. And my sources for my stories today are www.radertimes.org, southernhistory.blogspot.com, fairweatherlewis.wordpress.com, www.explorersouthernhistory.com and lastly heyallyouzombies.com <laughs> That sounds like a great website. It is. It is indeed. Well, in downtown Cleveland, Tennessee stands St. Luke's Episcopal Church. It was designed and built by the architect Peter Williamson in 1872. And next to St. Luke's is the Craig Miles Mausoleum. Both the church and mausoleum were funded by John Henderson Craig Miles. And the mausoleum and church were built in memory of his daughter Nina. She was the daughter of him and his wife, Adelia Thompson, who was the daughter of a local doctor named Gideon Blackburn Thompson. They were married on December 18, 1860. Shortly after the Civil War started and John uh, served on the Army uh, Commissary Department, And may have engaged in a little bit of uh, food and cotton speculation. Where, you know, you buy up stuff and then you sell it like super... Yeah. Yeah. At a super inflated price. Yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. Yep. Yep. You know, you 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 buy it and you hoard it and you wait till they need it and then you sell it back at expensive prices. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. It's not very moral. It is Especially when you're, like, probably stealing it from the people you're selling it back to anyway. Yeah, but he was smart about it because he never um, accepted paper money because, of course, by the end of the war, the, you know, the yeah. Confederacy had lost and all the Confederate yeah. paper money was worthless. He yes. only um, accepted gold as payment. 
That's good. And so he, you know, unlike many people in the South, he came out of the Civil War um, pretty wealthy. Yeah, doing doing pretty good for himself. Yeah. And on August 5th, 1864, his daughter Nina was born. She was doted on by both her parents and her grandparents and basically everyone in town. Her grandfather, Dr. Thompson, liked to take her on buggy rides quite a bit. And on October 18th, 1871, they were out on one of their buggy rides about town. And somehow uh, Dr. Thompson steered the carriage in front of an oncoming train. Okay. Yeah, so maybe he just didn't see it was coming, or maybe, like, the horse got spooked and went over the tracks and then wouldn't move. Uh, you know, it, it's unclear, like, how the accident happened. But the buggy was hit by a train. He was thrown clear and survived, but Nina was killed. She was crushed to death by the cow catcher, which is that contraption yeah. in the front that's, you know... It's supposed to protect the train in case it comes across, like, large, you know, farm animals and stuff, like, on the Or any sort of large animal, yeah. Anything big on the tracks is supposed to just sort of cleave and... Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So, that's that's pretty pretty unfortunate. Yeah, that's uh, not... Not great. Not, not, a, not a great ending for a seven-year-old's life. After her death, John began making plans to build a church in memory of his daughter. And so the ground was broken one year later, and it was actually completed on October 18th, 1874, so the third anniversary of her death. As soon as the church was completed, construction on the mausoleum began. The mausoleum was built with some really fancy Italian white marble. It's called uh, Carrara marble. The walls were uh, three to four feet thick. Jesus. <laughs> and across tops the marble spire of the tomb and rises more than 37 feet off the ground. It's pretty, it's pretty wow. beautiful architecture. That's a Very monster. expensive. Yeah. Inside... The mausoleum, there is uh, six sarcophagi, of which four are now occupied. So the first was when they moved Nina's body from the burial, the churchyard, to the mausoleum into one of the sarcophagi. Shortly after, uh, John and Adelia had a son who only lived for a few hours. Oh. Yes. And so his body was placed in the mausoleum next. John himself would enter the mausoleum as a dead person <laughs> in January of 1899 after he died of blood poisoning. He had been walking downtown one day and fell on an icy street and an infection developed and turned into blood poisoning. 
that's so fucked up how often that happens. It's like, oh, you got a cut. Know. Now you're going to fucking die. I know. I know. All because of no antibiotics. And not knowing that you're supposed to, like, fucking wash a wound. Well, that too, but... But, yeah. Sometimes you can wash a wound all you want and an infection will still get set in. True. Very true. I mean, I don't know why that would... I mean, it just seems like it would be instinct to just, like, you cut yourself, you wash it. But I don't know. That's just maybe us growing up with, like, you know, knowledge of germs, so... Yeah, I'd say that once germ theory was a thing that people were like, oh, yeah, totally. Right. I mean, people used to, like, put, like, dung in wounds trying to, like, clean them, so I guess, you know... They've got to make a poultice out of something. Right. Well, I mean, maybe, like, when you're thinking back, and I mean, dung makes things grow. Maybe in their mind, like, that would make, like, new skin grow. Yeah. Like, hey, if I put some, like, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, hey, maybe if I put some, like, manure on this, it'll, like, grow new skin real quick. It'll heal right up. They were half right. I mean, they they got the growing part right. Well, Adelia, after after John died, Adelia remarried to a man named Charles Cross, but she did end up in the mausoleum as well. In September 1928, she was crossing Cleveland Street, and she was struck and killed by an automobile. Ugh. And at that point, Fucking she was <laughs> laid to rest with the other members of her family. Isn't that weird, though? Like, okay, I mean... Not really. <laughs> well, not... Just the fact that her, you know, all this tragedy started with the death of her seven-year-old daughter getting hit by a train. Yeah. And then her baby son dies, and then her husband dies, and then finally she's taken out crossing gets the street. Gets hit by a car. Yeah, gets hit by a car. I mean, the it's it's said it, it it is. I mean, it is tragic. Although she was this was 1928, and she was born in like 1847. So yeah. Um, you know, she she was pretty old at the time, or eighteen eighteen forty something. Yeah, but nevertheless, yeah, she still got hit by a fucking car. She still got hit by a fucking car. She was eighty six years old at the time of her death. In a time with like fucking shitty medical stuff, so they were like, "Hey, how about you have some morphine and hopefully you just don't die, <laughs> right?" Like, oh, Mia died. Yeah, she was born in 1842, yeah, and died in 1928, yeah. so she was 86 years old, and she was finally uh, laid to rest with the rest of her family. Now, here is, like, the, the weird part about the mausoleum. It started shortly after Nina died back in 1871, after her body was placed there. Red streaks and splotches began to appear in the stone and did not want to uh seem to like resist all efforts to to clean it well that's good yes not only do they not have modern cleaning stuff but it doesn't matter because it doesn't want to be fucking cleaned yeah it's just it's continued like you know for the last like hundred and change years um over all these decades, some of the stones have even been replaced only to have the stains appear again. That would piss me off. Yeah. <laughs> After all that fucking shit. Yeah, so... Uh, like, replacing it, I mean, that can't be easy. 
No, no, I can't imagine it is. That's probably a huge, it's very expensive and a huge pain in the ass. But, um, but yeah, they've tried to clean it. Stains reappear. They've replaced whole blocks of the thing. Stains reappear. Some people say it's blood and others say that it's the tears of, uh, little Nina Craig Miles. In addition to the um, blood-like stains on the bricks of the mausoleum, there have also been reports of seeing a, an apparition of a young girl dressed in 1800s-style clothing playing outside. And sometimes the sound of a child crying can be heard in the mausoleum. The spots are still visible to this day. You can, and the mausoleum is still standing. So you are welcome to go to Cleveland, Tennessee, and view it for yourself and form your own opinion as to what it is. Some kind of a flaw in the marble, something about the climate causing it, I mean, or I can't, is I it mean, blood? The marbles they replace some of the shit. Then I know it's it's weird, and it's um this marble, this Carrera marble. Um, it's like the same marble that a lot of the you know famous Italian like Renaissance sculptors used, and not a lot of that stuff. It doesn't look like it's bleeding over time. That's all kinds of different. um, Yeah. Uh, places like so it doesn't tend climates. to be like a, a common occurrence as it ages it doesn't seem like that's normal for it to make these like red drippy stains on right. it but <laughs> there you have it it's fucking weird yeah that's it is fucking weird. weird it is weird i mean a lot of tragedy visited that family so yeah i don't know I can, there was also over a pretty long period of time, you mm-hmm. know, several years. And it was also shit that happened all the time back when it was happening. Like kids dying, shit happened all the time back in the right. 1800s. And granted, it wasn't just because of like the wasting sickness or something. They were like run over. And what, how did the, how did the uh, other one die? Uh, just died at birth. Just died. I mean, that yeah. shit happened all the time. So. I mean, I, I would imagine that we'd find lots of uh, similar stories. Yeah. Without the blood. Right. Because that's fucking weird. Well, how about I tell us a rather strange story I have? Okay. And then you can carry on with more blood houses. Uh, yeah, I've got two more. I've got two more stories. Technically, mostly just like one more because the other, the third one's like a real super quick one. Okay, well, I'll go through maybe a couple articles here. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The first one I have, London YouTuber claims to have been abducted by aliens and fallen in love with one of them. This is from allthatsinteresting.com. 
Sick of men on Earth? London actress Abby Bella says that she hopes to normalize interspecies dating. To find her soulmate, London actress Abby Bella looked to the skies. She claims that she fell for an alien after it swept her into its UFO and right off her feet. Bored by the pandemic and unimpressed by the offerings on Earth, Bella explained that she joked online about wanting an alien to abduct her. Before long, she began to have dreams of a white light. And then, on May 31st, this is of 2021, Bella says she heard a voice in her dream. It commanded her to wait in the usual spot. Bella had never heard the voice before, and yet she says she knew what it meant. The next evening, I sat next to my open window, Bella said. She waited, and as she began to fall asleep around 12.15 a.m., a flying saucer swept into view. Before Bella knew it, she wasn't in her bedroom any longer. There was a bright green beam which transported me to the UFO. Most might be alarmed by such a turn of events, but not Bella. I'm one of those people who all my life had had weird encounters, she explained on her YouTube channel. Nevertheless, Bella soon found herself where very few humans claim to have ever gone, in the belly of a flying saucer. In Bella's telling, she encountered five aliens in the UFO. They were tall and slender, but Bella couldn't make out their true forms. I couldn't see them clearly, and they telepathically said I'm not ready to see them in their true form, Bella claimed. But from what I could see, they had a slight green hue and huge black eyes with human features such as eyebrows. In a sketch Bella drew for Cater's News, the aliens have round faces and a snake-like gaze. Bella describes them as having big eyes with irises. But Bella wasn't frightened. On the contrary, she was love-struck. There was one who connected with me, she gushed, describing the feeling as being in love times 100. I didn't get his name, but I felt exactly the same. However, the star-crossed lovers face a few hurdles. For one, the alien told her that dating a human was taboo, although he was willing to break the rules. Yowza. For another, Bella wasn't sure that she wanted to leave planet Earth and never look back. He said I had to consent to go with them, but I didn't want to say yes in case they took me forever. So sadly, Bella left the UFO after just 20 minutes. And back on Earth, she bemoaned the gaping differences between aliens and Earthmen. Aliens offer an extra quality of care, she said. Men on Earth just tell lies and have double standards. Some, Bella noted, might be squeamish about Earthling alien relationships, but they just haven't considered interspecies dating. Bella hopes to be a pioneer in this field and normalize interplanetary love. Although many have raised an eyebrow at Bella's story, she's hardly alone in claiming an alien encounter. During the pandemic, sightings of UFOs have surged. The National UFO Center reported the sightings jumped up by about 1,000 in 2020 to 7,200 recorded encounters with extraterrestrials. For a long time, said Peter Davenport, the director of the UFO Reporting Center, the government thought that people like me are just crazy, and we're not. Indeed, the Pentagon is expected to eminently release its highly anticipated UFO report. This obviously was written in 2021 because that report has since come out. Right, I remember. Uh, wasn't that like really recently that like uh, they did that? Yeah, it was uh, within the past. I think like early this earlier this year, maybe later last year. I can't. I don't remember exactly. Maybe it was right around this time last year. The report will examine a number of documented encounters with unidentified flying objects. To date, the government still cannot explain the unusual movements of these objects that have mystified scientists and the military. As for Abby Bella and her alien love, 
Bella hasn't given up on her long-distance relationship quite yet. Although she understands if her lover is concerned about capture by the CIA, she hopes that her alien suitor will brave the risks and visit one day from the Andromeda Galaxy. Until that day comes, Bella keeps her overnight bag by the window, waiting for the next time she sees a flash of light from the heavens. Wow. Yeah, that's, uh... Bella's that's misguided attempts at love aside, uh, why do you think there were so many um, more alien uh, encounters or incitings during the pandemic? Oh, because uh, probably because there's far less of everything going on. There was less travel, so there was more apparently weird shit in the sky. If there was weird shit in the sky, uh, people weren't working, so I'm sure that means that some were that more people were staying up later. Mm -hmm. uh, and then also not working at times where normally you would be. So I think it's just like opportunity, basically. Right. I wonder if the aliens were checking in on us more frequently because, like, all of a sudden. Everything kind of shuts down. I mean, you remember how, like, the pollution, like, a lot of the pollution, like, cleared and stuff? Because... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're probably like, what the fuck is going on on Earth? Like, you know, it's clearing up. <laughs> we can up. see this yeah, place better. like, you know, they keep trying to, like, kind of go in and be like, what, what, what's going on? Is everyone dead? Like... What's happening? Is it safe? Uh -huh. Oh, no, there's still humans on the planet. Yeah. Not safe yet. Yeah, they're all just staying at home right now. Okay. But yeah, I, I, I kind of wonder if that's what's going on. Like, um, could be, you know, could be. like Earth itself, like looked different while the world was stopped. And, and they're just like, yeah, maybe we should go in for a closer look. Or maybe since the uh, pollution clouds were cleared up, they could uh, book more trips for the space tourists to see the weird primitives that live on the little blue green planet. At the ass end of the fucking galaxy. That, you know, <laughs> that seems plausible as well. I think that we're going to stick with love, Joanna. Okay, let's talk some more about love. Is it more alien love or uh, something a little no, different? No, this is, this, is, this is regular old everyday love, kind of. Uh, this is also from allthatisinteresting.com. Grizzly 18th century love note sewn with human hair to be displayed at London Museum. Uh, this was published February 16th, 2022. Anna Marie Radcliffe likely embroidered the message with the hair of her husband, James Radcliffe, who was executed in 1716 for a rebellion against the King of England. The note reads, The sheet off my dear, dear Lord's bed in the wretched Tower of London, February 1716, and C of Darwent equals waters, and then a little cross after it. After her husband was executed in 1716, Anna Maria Radcliffe sat down to do some embroidery, but she used unusual tools. For cloth, she used the bedsheet from the Tower of London prison cell, and for the thread, she used human hair, possibly plucked from his severed head. This embroidered bedsheet is an extraordinary item, which would have taken months or years to, to create, explained Beverly Cook, curator of social history at the Museum of London. The care and devotion speaks to Anna's personal devastation and remarkable character, determined to protect the memory of her husband long after his death. Anna Maria's husband, James Radcliffe, the third Earl of Derwentwater, was executed on February 24, 1716, for his involvement in the Jacobite Rebellion of 1715, and 
uh, James and other rebels had tried and failed to put the son of a deposed Catholic king back on the throne. James was sent to the Tower of London to await his beheading, though Anna Maria often joined him there. James also sent her love letters in which he called, he called her his dearest worldly treasure and urged her to be courageous and not melancholy. It would be lovely to think that they were lying together beneath this sheet, said Cook, noting that the sheet didn't look too worn and may have only been used during his four-month stay in the tower. Obviously, we can't prove it, but it's likely that she conceived their daughter at that time. Following James's execution at the age of 26, his heart was sent to an Augustinian convent. Anna Maria was given his body with his head sewn back on. That would have given her the opportunity of removing some of his hair, said Cook, noting that Anna Maria kept some of her husband's hair in a locket. And we do know that people obviously taking lock, uh, and we do know that obviously taking locks of hair was quite a common thing for people to do. Cook has also speculated that Anna Maria used both James's hair and her own, since the hair sewn into the bedsheet looks like it's two distinct colors. Other decorations on the sheet include flowers, leaves, and a wreath in the shape of a heart. Unlike the love message, these additions are stitched with linen thread. Anna Maria later fled the country with her children, settling in, settling in Brussels in the hopes of raising them Catholic. Sadly, she died in 1723 from smallpox. But the bedsheet that Anna Maria had embroidered with, embroidered with human hair lived on. Generations of James's supporters and other activists guard, guarded it over the centuries until the Museum of, of London obtained it in 1934. In the end, the execution of rebels like James Radcliffe staunched but did not stop the push by Jacobites to restore the, a Catholic to the throne. Though they failed in 1715 to place the old pretender James Stuart, son of the deposed Catholic King James II and 7th of England and Scotland on the throne, his son Charles Edward Stuart led the next Jacobite, re Jacobite rebellion in 1745. However, Stuart also suffered a bloody defeat. Indeed, the bedsheet represents one part of England's violent history. It will be part of an executions exhibit at the Museum of London Docklands in October 2022. The exhibit will also display other items from 700 years of executions in England, such as clothing worn by King Charles I at his beheading in 1649, a gallows recreation, and letters written by the condemned. Public executions became embedded in the landscape and culture of London, influencing people's everyday lives, explained Mariel Jeter, another curator of the Museum of London. Hints of this uncomfortable past can still be seen in the city streets today, and executions will allow visitors to explore the grim but fascinating aspect of London's history through a major exhibit for the first time. Though Anna Maria's bedsheet is a sort of relic to Catholic martyrdom, as Cook puts it, it also represents a wife's dedication to her husband, even beyond the grave. Well, if it was Catholic martyrdom, then it couldn't have been like like King James, like no, it was uh, it wasn't King James. It was uh, uh, it was uh, James the James that was in France. Okay, that he he escaped. He's Scottish. He was like Scottish royalty, <laughs> supposed to be the king of Scotland, but he ran away because of the whole him being Catholic thing. Okay, because the other King James, I think, was also cat was also Scottish, but he was very much Protestant. Yes, and he's and the dude who the wrote one, the Bible. Yeah, with the Bible. <laughs> yeah, the King James Bible. Yeah, and then that the book against witchcraft. Yeah, no, this is this is a different a different James. Um, 
there are, there course, are a lot, you know. Yeah, it was, a, it was a popular name. But yeah, it was uh, uh, James Stewart. And he was the son of the of a different of another maybe it James. Was, I don't know. It was a fucking Scottish dude named James. <laughs> so why don't we go back to a bloody house, Joanna? Okay. We're going to talk about an occurrence at the historic Russ House. That is located at 4318 West Lafayette Street in Mariana, Florida. All right. It's considered to be one of the most uh, haunted houses in Florida. Really? Yeah. Fucking Florida house. Yeah, and I feel like there's probably like a lot of haunted shit in Florida. I don't know. Probably. Yeah. It's just got that vibe about it. Yeah. Totally. In the parlance of our times. <laughs> Currently, the house is the home of the Jackson County Tourism Office and the Chamber of Commerce. The incident occurred in February of 2013 when employees noticed what appeared to be blood oozing from kind of where the baseboard meets the, the bottom of the wall. It seemed to be coming from the other side of the baseboard and pooling on the ground. And there are pictures of it, and it does look quite blood-like. Huh. Nothing found. It was a... Uh, so the bleeding liquid was coming from a wall below a storage area, but nothing was found in the storage area that could explain the source of the liquid. It was a one-time occurrence, but the house is well known for being haunted and has had several other things, uh, you know, strange and unexplained things happen. So that's not, that's not the first wacky thing that's happened. It's not the first wacky thing to have happened in the house. A little history on the house is that it was built by Joseph W. Russ Jr. Uh, construction started in 1892 and ended in 1895. It was remodeled in 1910 to what the house currently looks like. They added on this huge, like, kind of semi-circle uh, two-story porch in the front. So it's a really beautiful house like fancy i would love place. yeah it's very fancy and i would love to take a tour of that one of these days next time i'm in florida right <laughs> now the yard of the house is hallowed ground apparently where it was built it was over the battle of mariana which had occurred on 7 on september 27th 1864 it was like a civil war battle yeah that sounds like it union troops of the second maine cavalry charged into heavy fire laid down by confederate troops and several men were killed and wounded <laughs> several Yes, I'd say, several. I'd say there's probably several hundred, but hey, whatever. Yeah, it just, it, you know, that's what it says. I don't know how, yeah. I, don't, I don't know all it the It was deeds. a civil war battle. It was horrific. And yeah. tons of people were named yeah. and fucking killed. Although I feel like this might have been like a smaller 
you know, grouping of people because there Maybe, weren't a lot yeah. of huge battles fought in Florida. True, I wasn't even aware that enough. there were any fought in Florida. So yeah, I feel Florida like this was wasn't. more like a skirmish type. So still. Oh, yeah. So not not something like, you know, on the scale of Gettysburg where. No. Yeah. yeah. Where it was three days just of slaughter. Me- yeah. Just three days of slaughter. Exactly. This seemed like it was one kind of isolated event down in down in Florida. But even so, did I mean it doesn't have to be like Gettysburg slaughter to no, make the place haunted. True. Ever true. after. Yeah. <laughs> Plus the house itself uh had another tragedy. Uh Mr. Russ lost a lot of his fortune in the um stock market crash of nineteen twenty nine and oh, yeah, yeah, when the banks like, yeah. We're all like, oh, sorry, we're going to take your house. You can't save your house. He um, killed himself, presumably Sad. in the house. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's because he killed himself or maybe things just kind of turned around, but the, the Russ family was actually able to like keep the house after his suicide. Right. So it did um, stay in the family. For quite some time until um, until it became publicly owned. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Employees have been cautioned to not work there after dark. (laughs) One source says there have been a few different paranormal uh, groups that have investigated the house. One piece of evidence of the haunting is a picture of a figure in one of the windows of one of the towers. And that tower has no floor, so it serves as like a skylight for the second floor. So really nobody could actually be like just standing in the window. Right. Because they would have to be like levitated. Like, yeah, their, their feet would not be able to touch the ground because there is like no ground for like 30 feet below where that window is it's real tall <laughs> yeah now i looked at the picture and i really uh, the blinds are down and it seems like they're trying to show that there's like a shadowy figure like on the other side of the blinds um i couldn't really make anything out yeah but that could be for a variety of reasons. Maybe it looks better. The picture looks better in person. Like maybe, maybe, maybe. Screen resolution on the computer. I don't know. I couldn't really see anything, but I guess there's enough people out there that can. Yeah, well, there you go. Some people may see that one dress as one color, and it's, and then other people see it as a different color. So, yeah, Or the shoes, or whatever it was. Maybe both. Probably both. <laughs> Now, on one of the websites um, that was talking about the blood, like has like the pictures of the blood, there was a there was a great comment on the Russ House blood, and I I thought that I should just read it in its entirety. Yeah. So, the person did not create a you know username for their comment. It, it was just, just says a, just unknown. Anonymous. Yeah. Unknown, not that's how they worded it instead of anonymous, but unknown said, (laughs) It's true, I seen it 
with my own eyes a couple of years ago at my family reunion. My great aunt and her daughter done a family tree and found Joseph Russ and went to visit the Russ house and brought pics for us to see. Two years went by and one day my daddy said, let's visit the Russ house. Well, we did when we pulled up and it all could do is say beautiful. I think all I could do is say beautiful. Yeah. This is very hard because there are no commas, um, periods. No punctuation of any sort. No punctuation of any sort. It's just one long run-on sentence. I started taking pics. We went inside. A nice young lady gave us a tour of the house. She told us I came in the morning and seen a blood-looking liquid running down the walls as she walked us through the hall. To get there, I got really hot. People say they feel cold right when a ghost is present. I felt hot, really hot. When we walked into the room, I seen the liquid. It was crazy. When I went and got the pics, every pic that I took from the time I stepped out of my car didn't come out. Uh, they spelled come, C-U-M. Nice. <laughs> they were all a blur. Only one came out, and that was the very last pic I took standing with the young lady that gave us the tour. I don't know why those pics come out like that again see you <laughs> because i also took pics on the way to the rust house and they came out fine i don't know maybe my uncle didn't want me to take pics at his house lol i will be visiting again it's a beautiful house and i'm proud to say my family was the first to see the blood come C-U-M, down the walls, gives me chills but i felt at peace in the house go visit everyone you will love it yeah, you don't want that blood come on the walls. <laughs> Shit stains. <I> know. <laughs> I'm like, wow, this this really, um, yeah, just icing on the cake. Well, that's yeah, 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 yeah. But it was real. You seen it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Come everywhere. <laughs> and then. Real quick, we're going to go back to Brazil. Remember, that was like the uh, site of the, the story that you didn't believe where the lady's yeah, leg was yeah, like the, the leg, Yeah, the bullshit. Blood, they, they, yeah. They're fucking, their bullshit explanation for something that happened that's weird. Well, in Brazil, there is a, another house that has blood oozing down the walls. Now, this comes off uh, the website heyallyouzombies.com. Apparently, while filming a series called The Dark, Nature's Nighttime World, Gordon Buchanan found a house that had been taken over by animals. From the ceiling down to the floor ran rivers of blood. Oh, crazy. Yes. Now. Obviously, this piqued their interest, and they used their thermal cameras and soon discovered why. Hiding up in the corners of the bathroom was a colony of vampire bats. Now, this house oh. was, like, abandoned. It was just, like, yeah, out yeah. in the jungle with no one living there. Thank yeah, goodness. It, it doesn't take long for the jungle to reclaim... No, it does not. ...its territory back. Yes. So those rivers of blood were due to the um, hundreds of 
vampire bats that Crazy. were living there. And it was actual blood, except it was like blood shit from the bats. Like, yeah, yeah, because yeah. they, you know... Yeah, they, they drink, drink the blood, blood and then blood. They, they shit the blood out. And apparently so much that it was just running like, you know... Rivers of blood. Just rivers of blood that's running down crazy. the wall. See, I believe that. You know, that's <laughs> perfectly reasonable. Yes. Yes. So, pretty horrifying. I'd like to, um, I'd like to see that, that show. It's called yeah. The Dark, Nature's Nighttime World. So I think they were going out and, you know, it's not just uh, abandoned houses with uh, bloodshit walls. There's, I'm right. sure, <laughs> lots, lots of, like, fascinating things on, on the program. But one of them happens to be a house full of shit blood. Yeah, that's fucking, uh, that is pretty wild. I, I would, uh... like, lose my fucking shit being in there. Like... Y figuratively and literally i think because <laughs> i mean oh dude bats bats really get me so i told you before we started recording how i like had the experience with like the tick you know another yeah. like blood sucking yeah. thing i i got t bitten by a tick for the first time a few days ago and some of you that maybe live in areas where there's lots of ticks are just like yeah um so <laughs> That's how all my coworkers were. Like, what yeah, are you freaking well. out about? But then, I mean, others of you where there aren't ticks around maybe understand a little bit, like, how traumatizing of an experience it was having uh, my first, you know, tick with its head embedded into my skin and having to, like, pull it out and stuff. Now, about a year ago, a bat came into my house and... That was definitely more traumatizing than the tick. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I've had... Yeah. Had some wildlife in your house. I have had some wildlife in my house. The bat was far worse. Um, I guess the, the commonality here was, like, both times I had to go running to my neighbor, who is a lot braver than me, and have her deal with it, both with, like, removing the bat from my house and also removing the tick from my butt cheek. <laughs> <laughs> But I freaked out so bad about that bat being in my house that I am surprised I did not, like, psychosomatically lose my swallow reflex. Like, right. that is how upset I was over the bat incident. Oh, I can only good. imagine, good. I mean, and these, and the bat that was in my house um, was, you know, just like one of the regular bats we have out here in Kansas. They like to eat mosquitoes and... Yeah, regular old bat. Like, yeah, like a regular bat. I cannot imagine walking in and, oh, let's turn on, you know, it gets dark and let's turn on the thermal camera, see what it, and then like, oh, here's like 200 fucking vampire bats just clustered Chilling. up in this motherfucker. Like, I, w I would have been fucking out of there. Out of there. I would have been out of there, and I definitely would psychosomatically lose my swallow reflex. Because I would be like, there's no way I wouldn't feel like I picked up ra rabies in the bloodshed house. Filled with rabies. It's filled with rabies! And vampire bats, like, the ones that, like, I don't know, that, like, seem to like to drink blood. Like, it seemed like they would be more likely to just, like, take a bite out of you than maybe a regular well, bat would. not out of you. I mean, unless you happen to be a cow, like a sleeping, or a sleeping large mammal of some sort. Or they have rabies, and they're just like, I'll take anything. 
It's uh, a warm body I walking in. I don't think in. that bats actually uh, get, um, like, I, like I don't think they attack. They don't they get vicious because of rabies. I think they just carry it. Probably not, but in my mind, that is what happens. Yeah, and, and the only time a vampire get bat gets rabies is if obviously it feeds on another animal that has rabies. Yeah. So that's something else. But yeah, vampire bats making making a blood shit house out in the jungle. It's it's pretty that that's like the scariest one of all, I think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not overly af af afraid of bats. I am terrified of bats. I yeah, I understand that they're an important part of the ecosystem, so I would never want like bats to just be like disappeared. Yeah, no. No, I, I understand you just don't that they be are necessary. Them. I just don't want them around me or in my house or anywhere near me. Well, that's, you know, generally speaking, a good idea because since they can carry rabies, you know, they, right. they say if you find a bat in the room with a child, a sleeping person, or a drunk person, that that person should probably get a rabies shot because those three groups of people can't be trusted to take care of shit on their own. Right. And you just don't know. And that was the thing with like the bat in the living room. It's like, dude, was it? How long was it here? Has right. it been flying around the house secretively like biting people in their sleep? Or uh, was it just in not. here? It was probably, probably just in yes, there. probably not, but I you know these I mean, clearly were the, not these were the questions that went through my mind. Bouncing like, through Joanna's, constantly. <laughs> Joanna's fucking neurotic ass mind. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, much scarier than any, like, you know, ghost or whatever causing houses to uh, bleed all Our over the place. This bleeding house bats. to me is, is the most terrifying of all. Well, except that it's, like, not somebody's house. But it was somebody's house. It's a house. It has a bathroom, and that bathroom houses all the vampire bats that are well, they're, they don't use that the bathroom. walls drip, yeah, <laughs> drip blood. Just gonna have to pee outside, Joanna. Ah, uh, yep. But that—that's all. That's all I have on on uh, places that bleed. For you. Well, uh, I wouldn't want to clean up any of those places. That sounds like a pain in the ass. It does. I don't. I don't. I'm not into any of it. Uh, but I think that uh, concludes our episode for the day. So thank you guys very much for listening and. Um, you know, we uh, you can find us on any social media places we are, Stranger Than or Stranger Than Podcast. Uh, check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash Stranger Than Podcast. For $1, you can just donate a dollar a month. Uh, for $2 a month, uh, you'll get ad-free regular episodes. And for $5 a month, you get a bonus episode where Joanna tells you horrible things about horrible people. Or just regular things about horrible people. But there's definitely horrible people involved. That's right. You can take a look at Age of Radio. Uh, that is the podcast syndicate we are a part of, ageofradio.org. Our little section of that is ageofradio.org slash stranger than, where you can stream our episodes. Uh, we'd also like to hear your stories. We'd like to share your stories on the podcast. Uh, they can be anonymous, or you can attach your name to them. You can email stories to strangerthanpodcast at gmail.com. These are things like Bigfoot encounters or ghost sightings or... You know, alien encounters. Are you in love with a with a, with a alien? Like we'd like to know this. We'd like to tell our our listening audience about it as well. And with that, I guess we'll talk to you next time. And stay strange.